We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England standing QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for Blue Wire. And joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric freaking Crocker. What's up, dude? What's up, man? A lot of 49ers have to talk about. Shark came back. Dude, we, we always... Like, we make jokes about that every now and then, but it's like the 49ers really have this weird knack of always giving us something to talk about. Like, I feel like <laughs> they they space things out with, like, a couple days in between them because they know that Crocker and I have got to hop on locker room and record the pod. And so they're like, well, let's make sure we've got something, you know, in the pipe for them so that they can talk about it on the show. And, I mean, I appreciate it that they're looking out for us like that because it's always something. It's always something. Now, we're going to start this episode off just going through the ridiculous amount of players that the 49ers have managed to re-sign. All right, and we're going to go through – and, in fact, what I'll do is I'll list them all. And there's some more on here that we might not get to, but I'm going to list them all. And then me and Crocker will kind of go through them one by one. We're, we'll start with Trent Williams because there's some other stuff that, go, that, uh, that needs to be said about that. But let me just list this out for you guys. Okay, these are the amount of players that were on the team last season that were re-signed for the 2021 season at least. Okay, so you got Trent Williams, left tackle Trent Williams, 
Cornerback Kwan Williams. Cornerback Jason Barrett. Cornerback Emmanuel Mosley. Safety Gujaquiski Tart. Fullback Kyle Uschet. O-line Daniel Brunskill. Defensive lineman DJ Jones. Defensive end Jordan Willis. Running back Jeff Wilson Jr. Cornerback Dante Johnson. And I could even go into like tight end Ross Dwelly. Safety Marcel Harris. Uh, there's probably some that I'm missing in there. So just pr- a pretty unbelievable list of players that when we went into this offseason, we were kind of like, and even I said it many times, the 49ers do not have a lot of money. It's going to be tough for them to re-sign even one marquee player, let alone two. And then I just read that massive list. And obviously only one or two, maybe three, would be considered kind of like upper-tier free agent signings. But at the same time, they're all players that had a pretty big impact last season. I mean, what's your what's your just general thought process on, on that list, Croc? Yeah, well, I mean, going into the offseason, we were like, man, like, Jimmy Roblo's contract, like, is he good enough to, you know, be able to overcome us having to lose guys because the 49ers don't have that space? And, like, do you use his money to free up space to be able to sign other guys? Like, how do you go about it? But they've worked their magic, and, and they've freed up a lot of space and, you know, a bunch of different restructures and whatnot, and Man, I think they they put the 49ers at least in a position to where heading into the draft, they don't have any like big time need. I do well, I do think there's still one big need, but aside from like the one position and we'll get to that, I feel like the team is solid. Like if the 49ers had to play a game today, I feel confident confident that they'd be able to win that game. Like, you know, no, no matter who it is. I think no matter who they're playing, I feel like I feel confident for the most part that they'd be able to win the game. Um, you know, so I, I like a lot of what they've done. I mean, never thought that they'd be able to bring back not only Trent Williams, but Verrett, uh, uh, Shark Williams, uh, Tart. I mean, you know, like those, those guys, bringing in those guys, and then adding depth to the, the edge rushing position. You know, even like, you know, assigning like Jeff Wilson. Seems small, but, you know, I was just talking to somebody the other day, like Jeff Wilson. He's an extremely explosive player. Now, he's not, like, explosive. Like, he's not going to, you know, spring off a a 60-yard touchdown run. But between, you know, 20 yards, like, he gets after that, that 10, to 10 to 15 yards, like, him being explosive and, and running through guys and whatnot, like, he brings a different element. Like, I just think that it's a very balanced team on both sides of the ball. Obviously, like, there's always places where you can upgrade. But for the most part, they put themselves in a position to where there's no – Huge need. Right. And I'll tell you one thing, though. If I need, like, three yards or less, I don't know that there's that many running backs in the NFL that I would choose over Jeff Wilson. And I'm not trying to use hyperbole and church him up more than he deserves, but that dude runs like everyone on that defense just talks shit about his mama. Like, he <laughs> and just – running he's, like that. You I know. Since day one. And I'll try to – I don't know if we were able to send uh, links in here, but I'll try to send a link of this run from his rookie year. There were a couple runs like against, like, the Buccaneers where he just was, like, bucking dudes. And I'm like, golly, this dude, he runs so hard. You know, I think his his biggest issue was, like, fumbling the ball. I think that's what it was. But um, he runs hard, man. Like, you would think he's, like, a 220-pound back. I don't know how much he weighs, but he, he runs like really hard. Yeah, and he he's definitely working his way into being like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be one of the guys. You know, he's had to, you know, practice squad, 
and then, okay, I, I can play when other guys get hurt to where it's like, all right, most of me and you, we're the guys. And I think that's how they're kind of heading into this season, thinking that way. Right, and I love the combination of, of Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. Like, Raheem Mostert is one of the fastest, could be the fastest player in the NFL. And then you have Jeff Wilson Jr., who doesn't look like your typical short yardage back, and he's much more than that. But he's just, he runs in a way where it just picks up stuff like that. And what's funny, too, is I listed out all the those players that were the 49ers re-signed, and I completely forgot to include Jeff Wilson Jr. And I replied to myself, I said, I forgot Jeff Wilson Jr., and I deserve to be ridiculed heavily. And I almost like ratioed myself because hella people were like, yup, you do. You know, it was, it was super funny. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you can't underrate that signing and the fact that the 49ers, um, with Kyle Shanahan, no matter what he's capable of doing and scheming up, the 49ers will always be a run first team. And that's fine because I feel like there's no better way to control a game than to, to effectively run the football. Um, and especially since, you know, it, it sets up the pass. So, that was just such a huge deal keeping him around and, and having him and Mostert to kind of bounce back off each other. And I know B. Mechie in the chat mentioned, you know, I wonder if the 49ers or if or when the 49ers are going to draft a running back. I, I think we definitely see that. And it could be something that's, you know, maybe within the top four rounds, somebody who they really feel like can step in there and, and, and have a huge impact. And would they be fine waiting and doing their typical undrafted free agent magic? Yeah, probably. But at the same time, you know, there's always value to be had with just targeting better players. So, um, so let's go through this. Let's go through the list. Not a ton of time on each player, but the first one we got to start with is Trent Williams. Six years, 130-ish million, somewhere in there. It's a ridiculous amount of money. The really the contract breaks down to three years, about 66 million, and then every year after that, it's kind of like another 20 million. It was a really, really, really good contract for the 49ers. It it really just kind of like, obviously, they had to pay him a lot, but it was perfectly, in my opinion, it was perfectly exactly what he should be paid. And it, the 49ers did exactly what they had to do to keep him on the team. And there was a really cool article written by uh, Nick Wagner of ESPN. Uh, shout out to Nick. I love Nick. Met him in person quite a few times, um, you know, in the, in the facility. He's just a super good dude. He's hilarious, too. But he wrote this whole article about how the, the deal went down with Trent Williams. And essentially what happened was, um, KC was like serious and they were basically ready to sign Trent Williams. Um, but Trent Williams is so close with Kyle Shanahan and with the Shanahan family that he had already told Kyle, I will not sign anything without giving you a chance, without letting you know first and giving you a chance to match that. And so basically Trent Williams hit up Kyle Shanahan and said he was walking into dinner. And again, check out ESPN, uh, check out Nick Wagner's article on this. I'm just kind of paraphrasing it. He was walking into dinner, and basically he texted Kyle Shanahan and said, like, by the time I get out of dinner, I'm going to make a decision. And before Trent Williams could even get to his table, uh, Kyle Shanahan had faced him, FaceTimed him, faced him, FaceTimed him because apparently Kyle Shanahan never calls anybody. And he FaceTimes him and basically lets him know, like, we'll we'll work it out. And it said that before Trent Williams was done with dinner, his agent was calling him and say, hey, deal's done, 49ers, six years, all this. And, you know, can you imagine just being at this nice-ass dinner and, you know, your agent calls you while you're there and it's like, hey, man, you just got six years, $138 million, <laughs> $55.1 million in guarantees, bro. Congrats. Yep. Like, 
I cannot tell you how much that kind of money does. Like, I probably shouldn't have to, but I mean, that is money for him and his family and all of the members of his family that he wants to take care of, money for his children, money for their children, especially if you get somebody that can manage your finances and stuff. Like, that's so incredible to hear, man. Like, you can just take care of so many people with that kind of money. So every time I hear about a player getting big money, I just, I like, it makes me, it fills me with joy because of how, how much that changes lives, you know, like it's pretty incredible stuff. So, and, and apparently, you know, Nick goes on to talk about how um, Trent Williams is just incredibly close with the Shanahan family. Uh, Before free agency started, he was in Cabo with Mike Shanahan. And he said that not even, they didn't even talk about it. Like they didn't, Mike Shanahan didn't have to pitch him. He already knew where everybody stood and what he wanted to do. Um, and he said, like, like I thought that I was going to be somewhere I hated and make more money or be somewhere I loved and make a little less. And he says, I did not think that it would work out like this to where I get what I wanted and I get to stay with the 49ers. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a cool story, you know, and he, and he's Trent goes on to say that Kyle's like family to him. His family is like family to him. I did not know they were that close. I know that they'd spent a lot of time together going all the way back to Washington, but um, it's just cool how it worked out. You know, I, I forgot to tweet this. I was going to tweet this, but it's hella funny to me. The 49ers get to go from Joe Staley's career to Trent Williams' career. Like, talk about, like, just being spoiled rotten. That's like the and Packers it, going from Brett Favre's career to, to Aaron Rodgers' career. Right. <laughs> Absolute best of the best elite tackles. And, like, obviously you're not getting Trent Williams' whole career, but I guarantee you when it's all said and done, you ask him, you're getting the best part of his career and the career that he's the happiest about. You know, like, because it became pretty obvious pretty quickly that he hated it in Washington. Didn't even play football for a year. Imagine a guy being that good and not and just straight up not playing football for a year. And he did have to deal with his cancer, um, but he didn't want to play for Washington. And he was he was going at it w- with them, you know, over the how they were handling him medically. And and you know, it's like, hey, we going from Joe Staley to Trent Williams. Let's let's fucking get it. So, pretty cool story, man. Pretty cool story. I don't know if what I mean. You what else do you have to say about Trent Williams, Croc? I, I'm pretty sure both of us were of the opinion like, of course you pay that man. Yeah, I mean, and we saw on Twitter, you know, over the last week there were some people that were like, oh no, I overpaid, and I think I saw like PFF or someone gave it like an F for it. But I'm like, dude, like first of all, I know the big numbers are crazy, but. The the way it's structured, it helped the 49ers financially. Now, as the cap goes back up to where it's supposed to be, especially with this huge TV deal, his contract increases with that. So I don't think it would be, like, you know, as crazy, um, you know, against the cap, you know, down the line. So, you know, there were uh, my thing is you, you don't want to keep creating holes. The 49ers already, and they filled holes with free agency, but you don't want to create more holes that aren't needed. So my thing is, like, left tackle should be treated like defensive end, should be treated like quarterback, where if you have a guy and he's really good at his position, you know, just like I would say pay Bosa, just like we said pay Kittle, you got to pay Trent Williams as well, and I think he's even more important than, like, George Kittle. Not, I mean, George Kittle obviously does a lot, but that left tackle and solidifying that offensive line and what he does and the tone that he sets, you need guys like that. And I think, you know, obviously he plays at an extremely high level, there, there, you, you, you gotta pay him. And now at least you know 
you know, he'll still be him for the next three years. And I think after that, that's when his guaranteed money, you know, kind of runs out. Then you can kind of make your decisions on what to do from there. But for the next three years, you know, we don't got to worry about the blind side of the quarterback. We have a really, really, really good tackle holding it down. And I think that's how everybody should kind of view that whole signing. They gave it an F. I, I forgot who was. I just saw it on KBR tweeted something out about it where someone just gave that, that signing an F, which I think is kind of crazy. I mean, somebody needs to take that man's keys away. Like, how do you – and what's crazy is, is Trent Williams was the 40 – or was pro football focus's highest graded left tackle in the NFL last year. So the 49ers paid him elite left tackle money, and then where do you get the F from that equation? Like, are you not – are you not four players getting paid what they're worth? Like, I just don't get it. Like, where's the downside in that come? Because eventually players have got to be rewarded for their merits on the field and that shouldn't be a bad thing when a team pays that kind of money. And and Trent Williams, he's very confident. He seems very confident that he could play all the way until like 40, which maybe that won't happen. You know, you never know what's going to what what happens on the field, but that dude's confident that he's going to be around a while. And like we said, it's basically a 3-year, 66 million dollar deal and then every year after that it's like base another 20 20 something. So it's it's perfectly good money, especially when he received a bunch of it up front. Like, you know, he received, what, 30-something million? Up, I mean, like, he kind of gets that year one, right? And it's only $6 million against the cap. So for the rest of it, like, for the next two years, like, it's not even, like, that crazy, I, I don't think. The no, Samuel it. said it was it was over the over the cap that gave him an F. So I don't know. Yeah, it was funny because I saw BMH you mentioned, you know, the, the hell those nerds talking about. <laughs> but, yeah. um, yeah, that's that's funny. I don't know. So next, moving on, let's keep rolling. Um, because we do want to be able to get to kind of the speaker requests and your guys' thoughts on the free agent class. And obviously free agency isn't over, but at the same time, the, the, the initial wave of it is. So everything after this is kind of just supplementary. Now, I'll just group two of them together since they both happened recently, Croc. Uh, what do you think about K1 Williams and Jaquiski Tart? Yeah, so, you know, obviously a lot of people are kind of up and down about the whole Tart thing, and everybody loved Kwan Williams coming back. I say Tart was just as important as Quan Williams, you know. Just yeah, I with agree. And then now again, Tart, his thing. I mean, you got to stay on the field, and maybe people are just tired of him missing games. But just from a football standpoint, and my thing is just like, okay, well, what's best case scenario? Best case scenario, he stays healthy, and if he does, he's a really good football player. If he doesn't, then I mean, and I would assume that they would uh, address safety in the draft. Like, if, if if it were me, that's what I would do. It's like, all right, we let Tart walk. We don't know, okay, do we love Harris? Do we love more? Like, obviously, Ward is going to be there. But, all right, like, let's start planning for the future. Now, the thing is, typically, you're not going to keep five safeties on the roster, you know. So um, we'll see what kind of, like, what they do from, from that standpoint. But just with Tart being on the field, again, it makes it to where now you don't have to question, right, like, like the, the questions were, well, okay, well, Moore is going to have to step up. Harris is going to have to step up. I was like, well, no, they don't have to step up unless Tart gets hurt. So to me, it was, hey, Tart, he's a really good football player. I have my issues with him, and it's really more so of, hey, I wish he would generate more takeaways. You know, like that, that's my that's my only gripe with him. Outside of that, I think he does well with everything he does. If you kind of really watch 49er games, he's never really the, the issue, you know. Like how many times he'd be like, damn, Tart sucks. Like He's just out there. He does his job. He kind of moves in silence, right? You don't hear much about him, which I think is a good thing when it comes to being a secondary player. Um, 
And then when it comes to Williams, again, another solid signing because I think a lot of people are like, oh, man, second round, third round, we're going to have to try, start trying to find a nickel defensive back. Well, now you don't have to force it. If it comes, it's going to come more organically, uh, you know, but it's not a position that you have to force. You have a, somebody who is one of the top uh, nickels in the league. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, like, the nickel uh, position isn't really valued in the NFL, so maybe he didn't get the money that he thought he would or because of just a lot of people aren't really getting paid this offseason. Maybe that was the issue, but, you know, him coming back definitely really helps the 49ers a lot because, hey, that's another position where we don't have to question. And, and same thing with Tart. We don't have to question a strong safety position. We don't have to question the nickel position. Now, maybe moving forward, they do have to sign somebody or draft someone, but they don't have to do that this year. They can, but it's not a must. So I think from that standpoint, they really help themselves with the whole team building process. Well, and my take kind of over on this class as a whole, and especially when it comes to guys like K1 and, and Chrissy Tart, like the 49ers were a really good football team last season, and they just didn't have their quarterback. And there were so many times throughout the year where I would tell Crocker, like, man, like if Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy, which is, is obviously part of the problem, if Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy, the 49ers would have been kicking the shit out of these teams. And I was talking about, like, the Rams and the Seahawks, you know, because the 49ers were finding ways to beat them with backup quarterbacks. And if, if no matter what your opinion is, Jimmy of Jimmy is, go back and watch Jimmy Garoppolo's game in Seattle against Seattle to end the year. I believe it was in Seattle, right? But there was no fans, if, if I'm not if, – if I'm correct. I can't remember. But no, not Jimmy Garoppolo – Not last season, 2019, about, excuse me. No, there was definitely fans. Okay, then yeah, I've got my two years mashed together. 2019, during the Super Bowl run with fans in Seattle, like Jimmy was dealing. I believe it was in Seattle. If it wasn't, whatever. It's a football game at night. You get me. Okay, Jimmy was just was dealing. And I'm like, man, if they could like just take that. It was something ridiculous. I believe you said it, Croc. He'd completed like every single one of his passes in the first half or something. It was just, he was playing really well. And I was just like, there were so many times last year, sorry about mixing my years up, where I was just like, if the 49ers just had a healthy Garoppolo, they'd be in the playoffs. Who knows how far they go, but they'd be in the playoffs. And so that is why the 49ers are trying to bring back as many players as they can because they were still a good football team. And, yeah, they got beat a lot because they didn't have a starting quarterback. But as many of those guys as you can get back, the closer you're going to be to what you were last year. And we'll see what they do with the quarterback position. That's kind of a big turning point for the whole team. But, you know. So the next two, Croc, that I would that I would talk about or that we'll go through. And, and again, guys, we're going to get through this list of free agents, then we'll open it up for some for some questions and keep the conversation going. Um, Jason Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley, what's like do you what sort of comfort level do those two give you as like the starters? Because right now they are. Well, I, I think Verrett gives me more comfort because like, okay, yeah, we got a we have a starting cornerback. Um, obviously it's not like a long-term thing, but it's like, okay, there's a starting cornerback. I feel good with him going into the season. Obviously he has had injury issues in the past, so you just got to hope and pray he stays healthy all season. When it comes to Mosley, again, I keep going back to the end of last year when he was playing, he was active, but Witherspoon started on the outside, Dante Johnson started in nickel, and Mosley was playing special teams. So that tells me they don't view him as a starter. At least that's what their actions showed in that moment. Um, I've, I'm thinking, like, okay, if that's how they think about him, I'm not as high on him starting. It seems like they gave him a contract, uh, that whole thing to where it kind of maybe helped the cap space and whatnot. But it was one of those things where, hey, 
you, you know, you have two years of quote unquote security and it kind of helps them. If he does return back to more of a starting form, then it's a great deal. But if he doesn't, and maybe he gets beat out by somebody, uh, maybe a rookie corner or whatever, then you can <laughs> release him and, you know, you get rid of him and, you know, you're, you're fine. Or, hey, he plays well, you draft somebody, that guy plays well, and next year you lose Verrett, but it's cool because we got Mosley and, you know, a rookie or whatever moving forward. So um, either way, clearly you see where I'm headed with this. I'm drafting a cornerback. <laughs> like, and I think it definitely needs to be a priority. And I think they really need the depth at corner. So I can't just draft one guy. Like, they need to draft several cornerbacks in, in this draft. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It really helps solidify that, that position because right now it's looking like you got Mosley, Verrett. Mosley, you don't really believe he's a starter like that. That's what it looks like. You got Verrett, who one-year deal, and he's kind of been injury-prone or has been injury-prone, played good, well last year, though. And then behind him, what, Dante Johnson? Like, who Like who else is the outside court? So, like, you have to really put some resources to, towards that position. And I think they're putting themselves in a position to really do it in the draft. Right. Yeah, that's and and we're going to get into that. The last little couple of guys that I think oh, we don't need to go through the whole thing. But the last couple of guys I feel like we should talk about is Striking Gold is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Is what the 49ers going to do with the third overall pick stressing you out or maybe it's something a little more personal? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash gold, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Striking Gold listeners, get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash gold. That's betterhelp.com slash G-O-L-D. Is, is Kyle Juszczyk and DJ Jones. And obviously different sides of the ball, but to me, Kyle Juszczyk, obviously we know Shanahan, Shanahan thinks this, but Kyle Juszczyk is one of those guys that he's probably has an underrated aspect or impact on the field. You know, he can be a lead blocker. He could be your tight end too. He could be a genuine short yardage back. And he is, he's a huge locker room guy too. He's one of the leaders of this team. He's been with it since the beginning when Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch started. You could tell that he's just, and I'm not minimalizing his impact on the field, but he's just a genuine culture guy. And that's one thing I think this, this whole list of free agents kind of goes back to reinforce is the 49ers. And, and, and I felt like I was starting to get this even before the 49ers went to the Super Bowl when they were sucking the first couple of years is the 49ers have built something great in the locker room as far as how these players feel about each other. And I don't know how common that is or isn't, but Kyle Juszczyk is one of those guys that is, helps establish the culture. The dude is a pro. He is, is always the same every time. He doesn't get up. He doesn't get down. And you could just tell that he was a guy that a lot of people in that locker room looked up to as far as the way he went about his business. Didn't matter that he was a fullback. Didn't matter that he was a position that a lot of teams just straight up don't acknowledge anymore. He was just a leader in that locker room, and he made plays. You know, and he chucked Minka Fitzpatrick on his ass, and you just that gives you a whole lot more points. You know, I don't know what kind of points, but they're there. And so he's just one of those guys that, like, I don't think the 49ers really wanted to embrace the reality without him whether that was his impact on the field or whether it was his impact in the locker room. Sure, could they get a guy that probably could have fulfilled his duties pretty well? Probably, but he's just one of those guys that it's hard to – when the, it's one, you can boil it down to if the coach really likes you, you'll probably stick around. And that's kind of a little bit of where I'm going. I'm not – you know, I think his skills are what keep him on this team, but there's a reason he's still here, and it's and, and, and the reason the 49ers pay him as much as they do, and it goes way, way, way further than just being a fullback in an offense that uses a fullback. So um, last one's DJ Jones. And DJ Jones kind of just falls – I guess you could throw Jordan Willis into this. Just kind of falls right in line with a huge rotation – of effective defensive linemen. And DJ Jones was another guy I didn't expect them to get back. I just figured some of the other team would want to give him like two years, seven, eight million or something, two, three, you know, and, and roll with it. Well, but they got him back for, I think it was one year, about three and a half million. And the 49ers are building, building up another pretty good rotation of defensive linemen, especially when you account, you know, other free agents that they've added that weren't on the team. So I don't know, Crocker, you got any, uh, and we already went over Jeff Wilson Jr. You got any other like final words just on kind of like this class as a whole and the way the 49ers went about it all? No, I I love what they did in the sense of they're not being, you know, like big holes in the roster. I think if again if if the season started today, I think that they'd be really comfortable 
with the team that they'd be fielding. You know, and I feel like they would probably, as the team is today, feel like they can go into any game and win. Like, if I'm thinking as a coach. Now, obviously, injuries and stuff like that, you, got, you know, we'll see. But just as it stands today and how the roster, if you kind of put a projected roster out there, I think they'd be really comfortable with, say, they had to play the Seattle Seahawks week one. I agree. And I think that whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or not, I think the 49ers on paper right now with the amount of guys they were able to keep in the building, I think the 49ers are just as good as any other team in the NFC West, which gets you really far in the NFL right now. Like the NFC West is just an insane division. And I think like always, even with Matt Stafford, they can go toe to toe with the Rams. Uh, I feel like they can go toe to toe with the Seahawks and, and there's really, I mean, Arizona still solid. They haven't gone backwards whatsoever, really. And I just feel like all four of these teams are pretty ridiculous right now. So let's finally, I mean, that's for the most part the bulk of the free agent class or the bulk of the re-signings. We'll get into a couple other names as we go. Samson Ambukam, uh, Zach Kerr, which I think is kind of really underrated. I think it don't, a lot of people don't realize how good he's going to be um, and kind of how good he was last year. And probably some other names that I'm forgetting, but we'll get into that later. Let's get into the speaker requests. I sincerely apologize. Yeah, Alex Mack, right, 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 right. Obviously, huge. That's a he's a huge deal too. Especially as that progressed, it was immediately. It was at first advertised as a one-year deal, and then it slowly became a three-year deal. That might actually be a two-year deal. We'll see. We'll see. So let's get into these speaker requests. To everybody that put in a speaker request, I I humbly appreciate you guys waiting. You know, obviously, we just wanted to get through our, our main talking point. And let's hear from you guys. Julian, you are at the top of our speaker request, friend. So when I hit this green button, you I better hear your voice. I'm just I'm just kidding, man. Hopefully you're there. Julian, you're on. Hey, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> let's go. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I listen to you guys from New Orleans, so um, I'm really tired of hearing Saints news, so I'd rather <laughs> listen to some Niners news. Well, shout out to you, man. I appreciate it. Um, my question today is: uh, Do the Niners go cornerback, or should the Niners really look at picking up a young offensive lineman for that O line and the future? Because right now, you know, McGlinchey, he just he just looked god awful last year. <laughs> he was getting beat, and he just looked like he just lost all kinds of weight. Like he just wasn't doing anything. What do you guys think? You're talking about for the uh, for the draft, right? Yeah, for the draft. Crocker, you take this one, man, because I already know how you feel. Yeah, I'm I'm going with cornerback. I, I just feel like it, it's a premier position, and again, it's a position of need. Like that's the one position that's kind of hard. Like an offensive line, you can kind of like scheme around a guy maybe that's getting beat and whatnot. Cornerback. It's it's a little harder. They did do a good job last year kind of hiding Richard Sherman. You guys remember when they started playing more man, they would play Richard Sherman at like like a safety position. Like he'd play like in the middle of the field. <laughs> so they, they would move him and have him like do like this little spy thing where he'd be like kind of keen to quarterback and play man with other guys on the outside. I think they brought in like Witherspoon a couple of times and whatnot. But um, I just think cornerback, that that's where I would go. They need a starting corner and a guy that's going to be there for the long haul. And, again, everything, if you look at their actions, it says that they might not be 100% sold that Mosley's long-term answer. We know 
Verrett's not the long-term answer. He just re-signed one-year contract, and even then they let him test the market. So I would be trying to solidify that, especially at 12, where you're going to have your pick out of some very talented cornerbacks um, that, yeah, really talented. So I, I would go that route. But, um, I mean, I wouldn't be mad at offensive line. I just would kind of look at it like, hmm, like, you, you, you have Brun School at guard, and I know people want guard. I know people, like you said, you know, uh, McGlinchey, he's been up and down. If it's me, I probably don't pick up his fifth-year option, but I do start him because at the end of the day, like, McGlinchey is a starting tackle. Now, is his pass protection up and down? Like, yeah. But he is elite at run blocking, which is what they brought him in to do. Like, they, they, that's what they wanted to get better at. If they wanted to stay with a really good pass protector, they would have kept uh, Trent Brown. All right? So they went younger. They went cheaper. And he does what they ask of him very well. He just, again, like, he's up and down sometimes as a pass protector. But some, we we always notice when he plays, when he has a, gives up a bad play. We don't notice the <laughs> 40, 50 plays where it's like, hey, he's actually doing his job. Hey, he's doing very well. You know, so – with McGlinchey, again, like, whether he leaves or stays, like, I don't care. But I don't think I would be looking right now to replace him. I think you're fine with him going into the season as a starter. One, well, and, and Julian's question, I believe, was was corner or offensive line. And if those were the two choices, then I would definitely go corner. I just feel like – and I know even if you asked, it, asked us among all positions, I feel like quarterback might get the edge. But as far as what the 49ers – let's say that you just – took Jimmy Garoppolo as a competent quarterback. As far as what the roster needs the most right now in its current state, not necessarily as much of a future projection, uh, is a corner. Like, you know, because you can't just assume Jason Brett is going to be completely healthy all season. You can't just assume Emmanuel Mosley is going to get his shit back together and he's going to play like a genuine starter. You need you need more there. And and you can't just be, you know, backups and and stuff like that kind of competing to push for that spot. Uh, you really want a guy to step in there. So, all right, Julian, I appreciate you, man. Thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, man. See you next time. All right, let's jump into the next one. Nathaniel Flynn, my friend, you are on stage. You can speak whenever you're ready. If you feel so inclined. Yo, yo, yo. No. All right, Nathaniel. We'll come. We'll come back to you, buddy. I think. I think that was our first no show. It better not be that boring in here. If we're that boring in here, you all need to tell us in the chat because we we will find something <laughs> to do. Samuel, I know you're there, man. You're always up in here. Sam, how you doing, buddy? Hey, what's up, guys? How you guys doing? Good, man. We're chilling. Cool, cool. Um, I had a quick question uh, just regarding the general construction of the roster. Um, given that all of the free agent deals, or at least the big ones that we've done so far, it feels like the offensive ones are more the long-term deals with Mac being three, Trent being, you know, six, and Juice being, I think Juice is three, whereas the defensive ones are, like, one-year deals. Do you think that our strategy still kind of holds that it should probably be a more defensive, intensive draft? Uh, I mean, when you say it like that, it does make sense. I think it has more to do with the fact that a lot of the guys that were brought back 
on the defensive side of the ball were guys that tested the market and didn't necessarily find anything super intriguing. And so they all brought them back on one-year deals. And I think if this were maybe – if the situation were just a little bit different, they probably wouldn't have brought some of those guys back. But since – you know, I, I think the 49ers probably expected Kwan Williams to end up somewhere else. And the fact that his market wasn't that great, you know, they were able to get him back on a one-year deal. And what a lot of people don't realize are one-year deals are kind of – um, there's probably a lot of free agents that prefer one-year deals right now because the cap is supposed to explode next year. They're kind of betting on themselves, but a lot of teams are going to have a lot more money next year, a lot more money. So any of these one-year deals, these guys are all looking at the fact that they can get paid again next year, whether it's by the 49ers or not. So, But the other part of your question was obviously, does this kind of lean towards a defense-intensive draft uh, I mean, it kind of feels like it, doesn't it? The the offense seems a little bit more settled than the defense. I don't know, Croc, what do you think, yeah. man? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, again, I mean, I keep going to the cornerback position, but, you know, people have brought up edge rusher, and I did see reports that D4 might play this year, and the 49ers are optimistic. He's Somebody optimistic. said in the chat that. that he was, like, running now. And and I know the, the way the 49ers re- – and we haven't talked about that yet. The way the 49ers restructured D4's contract, Freed up like 11 million and it kind of makes it, they added or they, he's basically worth the same amount this year and next year. They freed up about 11 million, but it kind of indicates that they think he might be able to play both this year and next year. Cause they didn't really like void any years. They did add like a dummy year, but it, 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 it wasn't necessarily a restructure that said, we don't feel like this guy is going to play anymore. So we'll see. I don't know, man. So it looks like D Ford might be a thing, Croc. But anyways, Samuel, yeah, you got anything you, else, my friend? Yeah, you mind if I have one more? Well, no, I don't mind, man. Let's roll. Cool, cool. Um, I know we have a little leftover cap, uh, even including our draft class. Is there anyone else on the free agent market you think is worth maybe uh, – or would you rather roll into the season with a little extra cap in case, like last year, we get a little banged up, we have some money in our pocket to go out and get someone? Uh, I mean, I could I could go I could go either way. Um, I kind of I organized the over-the-cap thing by, by wide receiver because I kind of feel like they need to get somebody a little more veteran in there. But there's not really a whole lot of options that, like, speak to me like you got to go after this guy. Um Croc is working on his connection right now, so he's going to be off mic for just a little bit. I, I I immediately just clicked wide receiver because, you know, I feel like that's one position where it's clear they need some reinforcements. Um, I could I could reorganize it just based on overall names. And I mean, there's Jadeveon Kalani I know is going, like he's about to visit somewhere. I, I just, I don't know if there's any other names that speak to me. To me, I would. I don't think that rolling money over into next year is that big of a priority, though, because of how much the cap is going to shoot up. I, I don't think that you know there's still someone like Carlos Dunlap out there. Uh, if you wanted to bring in another veteran to compete in corner, I think AJ Bouye is still available. He's kind of fallen off a little bit. Ty Hilton just resigned today. Jadavion Clowney sitting out there, like I said. Malcolm Butler, I think, is still out there. Um, there's some names out there. I mean, shoot, Larry Fitzgerald, you really want a true veteran, but he might be kind of past that stage in his life. Um, and it, if it came to signing with the 49ers, he'd probably just retire. So, 
I mean, I, I don't know. I, I mean, there's no – do you have any any other free agent names, Croc, that are like, this is the guy they still need to sign? Nah, because like I said, I feel like the roster is pretty much set and kind of heading towards like, like if they can just get back – if you can get – especially D4. And it's not even like a full starting role D4 would have to play. I think they go with more of a – you know, uh, Abosa, Kinlaw, Jones, Armstead, and then you have two kind of rotation guys with Ford and Ebucom, Campbell, whatever you say, however you say his name. So um, I think even then, like, I, I can't see them, like, like attacking Edge like that, you know, like we may, might think they should. Um, yeah, so I can't even think of any, like, maybe a receiver. That's yeah, and that's what I was saying. But I didn't really see on there that like totally spoke to me. I mean, oh, they did like sign him. Sheffield. I don't think we talked yeah. about that, but that, I mean, that's kind yeah. of a lower level signing. But I think he can, right. he can return a little bit, and he's kind of like you know like a fourth or fifth option. But um, that is somebody that they brought in to kind of compete with maybe like a Richie James and whatnot. But um, even then, I think that signing says so far what I'm what I'm kind of if I'm reading between the lines, they're probably going to go receiver in the draft. They're probably going to go corner. Outside of that, I don't know. But I think they probably make those two positions maybe a priority to some extent. Right. Right. And yeah, um, Shadow Man's just recently mentioned Travis Benjamin. He's still on the roster. So, I mean, and that's kind of a veteran guy. So maybe he ends up having more of an impact than we think he will. But, but we'll see. Mike McVeigh, my friend, you are on stage. What's going on, dude? Hey, how's it going, Rob? How's it going, Croc? What's up, man? Going good, man. Oh, uh, you know, just. Living the dream. Um, hey, I was curious. You know, I heard a few things uh, last week about um, Kyle Pitts from um, Florida, uh, tight end, and uh, I was just curious. Um, there was some talk about he could possibly, because of his speed that he showed, maybe be converted into a wide receiver. And I mean, although I really kind of want to see um, a cornerback at twelve, you know, if Pitts is there, you think uh, that's something maybe Shanahan might want to. Uh, you know, indulge with? Yes, absolutely. I don't think, I think on, Pitts is going to fall to them, though. Remember I did yeah. my little 49er big board, and I had him on my little 49er big board where, like, I, I would take him. Um, now, I think I have Fields first. I have Fields first, Horn second, and then I have Pitts at third, where he's just kind of a – and I know he kind of, like, people are like, oh, he's a receiver. And it's like, no, he is a tight end, and he's just – but he's a tight end that's just – you can use him like Jeremy Graham was used. You know, you can flex him out. Um, but you want him to be a tight end so you have more of an advantageous uh, personnel on the field. You want them to have to have, you know, an extra backer in there where he has the advantage because people will talk about like he can't block. He can block. He can block. Mm-hmm. So he, he's definitely a serviceable blocker. He's not like George Kittle or anything. But that added, you know, value of if you match him up in space with a linebacker or even like a safety, excuse me, or a safety, He'll, he'll win those matchups. So yeah. I wouldn't even mess around with him as a, a receiver. Definitely I would look at him. He's a tight end, but I would just flex him out at receiver if need be. Sure. To, me, to me, I don't even give a shit what you call him. Like, he's going to catch the football, and he's going to score touchdowns, and he's going to make people look stupid. You can play him in a big slot. You can play him in line. You know, obviously you don't necessarily want him being blocking on the play side or something, but, like, that guy is just going to give defenses hell just for being on the field. Like, imagine stepping up to a formation, you know, obviously, it, it, 
Shanahan would work with this, but it's like Kittle on one side, Pitts on the other, Ayuk on one side, and shit, I guess you want to go for, you know, you go <laughs> on the other. Like, well, you got to, like, there's problems going on here now. So, yeah. like, if, if he's the best player on your board, like, obviously he might not be considered that much of a need receiver, especially that early. But, like, dude, you can't go wrong with that. Like, just score points. Just go score points. You know, yeah. I, I don't give a shit who it is. <laughs> Well, on that six six height and uh, four, what did he run a four three? Right. Oh, yeah, he's uh, he's up there. I, I, mean, I don't know his official time, but yeah. he's he he uses that height too. Like yeah. Kittle's a big dude, but he doesn't body people that often. He doesn't go up and get it that often. Like that's is that's Pitts is like wheelhouse. You know, he just I don't care if you're right next to me. I'm gonna go up and catch this ball, and then I'll shrug you off and go score a touchdown. <laughs> so if if he was there, man, and the 49ers took him. I would still do like that Antonio Barris gif where you're just like, hell yeah. Like, you know, you just lean back and enjoy it. So I'm all for it. Not that there's not other directions I wouldn't go, but if, if that was the way, I'd be like, let's roll. No, definitely. And then I was also – I wasn't sure if, like, maybe the value at 12 was there for um, the Michigan edge rusher, uh, uh, Quiddy Pay. Quitty um, Pity or something like that? Quitty Pay, I think. I'm not, yeah, I think something like that. <laughs> no, you're but, probably um, right. I don't know the name. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, for sure. I'm not sure if the value is there or not for him, but, um, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, that might not be bad if he was available. But then also what's kind of got me hyped too, and this is my last one, is um, second round, maybe uh, Mills from Stanford. I, I just really like what I've seen from that guy. Croc knows. Croc will tell you all about him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's some – there's some upside there. I'll say that. Um, there's a lot to like, and there's a lot to be like, oh, I don't know about this. But, you know, right. I, I, just watching <laughs> them, if, if you're thinking about, like, all right, look, the top quarterbacks are taken. I don't really, you know, and you don't want to reach or whatever the case is. He's somebody who definitely fits what Kyle wants, wants to ideally do, like that type of play style of – being able to play under center, being able to, you know, throw from play action, be able to make all the throws. He can make all the throws, but his decision-making at times lacks. And I think that's the one area where he can improve. Maybe that can improve with um, more playing time. You know, he hasn't started a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of games, like due to some injuries at Stanford. But, you know, he was like the number one pro-style quarterback coming out of high school. He shows that ability, big arm. He's athletic enough. Like, you know, he will take off and run. Um, again, make all the throws. I think he's a really good processor. Like he shows, like he can really go through his reads very well. It's just at times his decision making was bad. And I think that was the one thing that might hold him back from being, you know, a day one or even early day two pick. So ideally, he's somebody who you would like to take in the third. But again, I think more so than some of these other guys who we would talk about day two, day three, or whatever. I think his upside is really high, and he just hasn't played a whole lot of football. So looking for like a development guy. I think he would be someone who Kyle Shanahan would probably prioritize. Yeah. Yep. Well, and I also liked how you said too. He um, he's good with like the play action where he can roll out, put his back to the defense, and come back around quick. Yeah. And then um, you know adjust. But well, thank you guys for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, again, love this love this uh, locker room app you guys got going. So ha- have a good night. All right. You Thanks, too, man. buddy. Appreciate I appreciate it. you, man. Always a pleasure. All right, let's keep them rolling because we got we got seven speaker requests in here. So just hey, the one thing I will say at this point is ask your question. I'll try to leave you in the locker in the in the speaker thing for a little bit. But if I just kind of give you the boot, it's not because I hate you. It's just because like once we're done answering your question, we got to get to the next one because I really 
I don't want to leave anybody hanging, you know. So Anthony Ro- Anthony Roos, I think it is. You are up, my friend. Uh, Rios. <laughs> Rios. Oh, it's R O O S. Oh, that. really? Oh, I totally messed Did up. Did you misspell your own la- name? Yeah, I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I got a I got a fun question here. Hopefully, I can I can word it correctly. It's uh I I, <laughs> I don't want to mess this up. So, uh, you guys have been talking about the the top three hopefuls at 12 uh, pits uh, fields and horn. Right. So I'm going to basically, let's say that you can take any one of them at 12. Right. And whoever you take will be in the running for rookie of the year. Okay. But here's the stipulations. If you take, if you take uh, fields, then obviously you get rid of Garoppolo and um, you get all his salary cap money available. But if you take either the other two, you keep Garoppolo, and Garoppolo has a Pro Bowl type season. Who do you? Oh take? dang! Okay, so it's either all right. Well, Croc, you 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 go first, man, because I know you're pretty passionate about a couple of those guys. So who who would you take? That's really tough. Um, the rookie will be in the running for Rookie of the Year. So I will go with the quarterback. I'm still going with the quarterback because you get you get that extra money getting Garoppolo off off your books, but you have someone who. Obviously, if you're in the running for rookie of the year, you're playing extremely well. So I, I would go with Fields, and I would yeah, say, hey, yeah. like down the line, like my ceiling is much higher because he's just a more talented player. Um, again, free, you know, like teams do their best work when their rookie quarterback is, you know, on that type of contract. So I definitely would go the Fields route. But it you it was intriguing. I almost said J.C. Horn, but um, because you know, if you told me today, hey. Grapple is going to play so well, he's going to play at a Pro Bowl level. Um, and then I had a quarter, a corner like that, you know, to really build on. Like, I would maybe go that route. But uh, especially so if you're saying – Then what do you do with the money you save from Garoppolo then? Yeah, that's a good question because, you know, I don't think the roster is that bad right now. But maybe I, you know – Let it roll I'd over? Say, <laughs> yeah, let it roll over. Let it roll over. I'm pretty sure somebody would come to my head. I think I was thinking, like, maybe Patrick Peterson, but he's already signed to the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe go get, like, A.J. Bouye or somebody who I feel like can come in and play well and um, hold down the spot for another year or two or whatever and then maybe address cornerback next year. But maybe I'll go that route. All right, so – it. I'm going to take this time to to call out Crocker's bitch ass because he had a moment. <laughs> he he had a moment to go to bat for his boy, J.C. Horn, and he fucking went the predictable quarterback route. The quarterback is the most important player. I agree with you. Yeah, the quarterback, I can't, I can't, I love, I love receivers. I love corners. But at the end of the day, if, if I have to choose between, if you tell me, hey, they're all going to be good, like I'm going with the quarterback off top. Right. It's can not you even, imagine having if, Garoppolo if they, at a Pro Bowl level with Pitts and Kittle, though, and Ayuk and Devo? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think the the thing you got to realize about your question is, is like, there's no way to lose in that scenario. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like you're fun. getting, you're getting, and and one, I think it was. Let me make sure I find who it was. OJ in the in the chat said, if you get a Pro Bowl season out of Jimmy Garoppolo, and then you use that pick on like J.C. Horn or Kyle Pitts, you're probably winning the Super Bowl, or you're yeah. at least getting really close. So mm-hmm, I don't yeah. really think there's a bad way to go. I I, I 100% would take the quarterback. I would take Fields. Um, but I just thought that was an opportunity to give give Crocker shit. Um, so, but I mean, since Crocker went 
with Fields, which is what I would do. I think that there's a lot to be said. Kind of what was already said in the chat is you go J.C. Horn, you've got a quarterback going. You've got Jimmy Garoppolo all of a sudden playing at a Pro Bowl level. Maybe you extend him and you, you know, like all of a sudden, like things are just working out. There's really, yeah, yeah. If, if Jimmy Garoppolo is starting <laughs> to play good ball again, then you're just, oh, you're fine. Like, you know, your problems have been solved either way, but. All, all, all things equal. You got to go quarterback. It's the most important position on the field. And if you know he's going to be good, it makes the decision even easier. You know. Yeah. But hey, that's a that's a great question, man. Yeah, for sure. Hey, we still got to get that COD game, man. I, I haven't got on your stuff, so. <laughs> Dude, I haven't I haven't played in a while. But when I oh, if wow. I if I start in between jumping on locker room, um, uh, baseball season started up for at school now. So and I coach baseball as well. So. It's put been together uh, a little charity thing where you can get uh, a couple guys going and we'll do a little three on three and then put some money to charity. <laughs> I, that's not a bad idea, man. I'll have to uh, I'll have to hit up some of the dudes with the locker room. But all right, Anthony, man, I appreciate you. All right, later. All right, buddy. Man, that's a good that's a good question. I love that. I just yeah. Real quick, I did see a question, uh, a comment in here. Oh, it was Lance. He was like, "Phil's to San Francisco would be ideal." I remember when Zach Wilson to San Francisco was a thing. I think. Zach Wilson, everybody's assuming he's just going to go, like, two to the Jets. So I think – and, like, Fields is the name of where people think he might fall. So I think people are just kind of being a little bit more realistic with this situation where, as before, I think people would have told you, oh, Wilson, like, yeah, he could probably be there at pick eight. But now I think he's kind of – he kind of played himself out of that position. I think the 49ers played themselves out of that position as well, winning those two games down the stretch. Right. Right. Yeah, it's – and Zach Wilson's stock just kept rolling. I remember when you mentioned him a long time ago. You know, you're like, man, I really like Zach Wilson. And then it, then not to say he started it. May, shit, maybe he did. But, I mean, he's he's just kind of considered the consensus number two guy. So – and the number two team needs a quarterback, so they're just always penciling him in there. But we'll see. Riley, you are up on the stage, my friend. What you got? Riley, you with us, bro? Nope, he left. <laughs> he straight up peaced out. He's like, oh, uh, I'm out. <laughs> you got a stage fright. I know OJ's here. OJ's in the chat. OJ, my friend, you are, you are on, on the stage. What's going on, dude? What's going on, guys? Happy to finally uh, talk to both of you. I love the show. I love what you do, man. I appreciate your work, Croc. I love the Patreon as well, man. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Hey, that's it. What's hey, the address, Croc? Patreon.com slash Croc Talk. <laughs> Hey, by the way, I just created a 49er tier. So I actually have like a tier where um, it's all just 49er stuff, like breakdowns, videos, all that stuff is coming. So, yeah, make sure you guys subscribe. Patreon.com slash crowdtalk slash 49er tier. That's right. (laughs) I had had to get you a marketing thing going. But, uh, hey, I just want to, you know, I think after the first round pick is actually chosen and we know who it is, the team is going to fall so much into place. I just think there's like – a, a, a three-goal idea that might be going through that. I think goal A is the most unlikely. I think you, if you can get Watson, you get Watson just because of the guarantee. It's kind of the question that just happened with – Well, hold on, hold on. Not to cut you off. It, but is it a guarantee? Because we don't know if he's ever going to play football again. I mean, we just don't know how this, this situation looks You're weird. Right. So I, I don't right. know. Right. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no, Sorry. I hear you. All, all, I, from a talent standpoint, uh, everything else aside, I, that would be just my natural assumption. But I hear you. I agree. Um, I think if Fields falls to a position that they can um, grab him and the price is right for them, because I think they are very cognitive of their decisions in terms of how much they pay, um, I think that's what they'll go. I My question really is to you, Croc, and your experience playing corner is going to give me insight I don't have, 
Um, do you think if they were going to go J.C. Horn or whoever they prefer at 12 or move up for whatever the situation is, do you think having a veteran in the locker room like a Richard Sherman, let's say they bring him back because his, his market hasn't been that good, do you think a one-year run with him, watching him, seeing what a pro is, do you think that that would have an effect on how that guy grows? It, it definitely does, but when, when you're talking about somebody like J.C. Horn, he, you know, his dad was a pro. So he's kind of, you know, he he's he's been around that in that preparation. Yeah, his dad was Joe Horn. He was a four-time Pro Bowl receiver. So he's kind of seen, yeah, he's seen like what it looks like, you know, to prepare at that level. You know what it takes. I'm pretty sure he's had his dad in his ear. And from everything that I hear about Horn, he's like this super high-level dude, like who just works extremely hard, and he's an alpha male, and he does whatever it takes to try to win. So, um, and like be the best. Like that's what he wants to be. So. Um, again, it obviously like there are definitely benefits to having somebody like Sherman in your ear because now not just from a like preparation standpoint, but just from like a, a schematic standpoint and helping you understand like, hey, you can play like this or you can do this and you can move this way and hey, well look, your body style is like this, so you can change and you can, you know, he can teach somebody like you know and show somebody the way from that standpoint. So you know that'll definitely work. But you know the thing with Sherman is one, would he be willing to play on a cheap? contract um you know a lot of guys have taken you know these minimal contracts to come back for one year would Sherman be able to and at what role you know like I said like earlier like with Richard Sherman they started hiding him and and not wanting to play man with him and and moving him inside to try to play man if you guys remember like that that Bills game they needed to play man and they couldn't <laughs> like the Bills were tearing up that zone yeah and they, they and they they need to play man but they couldn't with Sherman out there so I think that's something where it's like, all right, all right, Sherman, like, what, what are you going to come back and, and play? Are you going to move to more of a safety position or something like that? That might be, you know, but then there's a pay cut in that as well. So we'll see. I mean, obviously we don't know what the whole Sherman situation is, but um, he definitely, especially from a schematic standpoint and just all around, he, he definitely, he can't hurt. I think he helped yeah, a lot of guys that, in the rock, uh, locker room last year. You said it. That's that's my main reason why I honestly at this point would like it back. I just don't think he hurts. And when injuries happen, which we obviously saw they did, I feel like he gives us uh, not the greatest insurance, but we have a policy, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, thank you, guys, man. That's all I got for you. I just want Alden Smith to reunion back with the Niners. I'm going to leave you guys with that. Appreciate you. <laughs> all right, OJ. I appreciate you, man. And, hey, I mean, he said it. Alden Smith kind of his season started out with like a big splash and he kind of kind of leveled out and, and wasn't as effective as the season went on, but at the same time that was his first like full season and how long. So uh, I mean I it depends on what the contract looks like. I wouldn't be opposed to Alden Smith coming back and, and dude I just like when maybe it was the timing of because because I was really into football when I was younger and I kind of grew out of it during a, uh, like my late teens, early twenties. And then obviously I got back into it again. And like all, like it was right around the time of, of like right when Jim Harbaugh was coming back. And like, whenever I think pass rusher, I just picture all those pictures of Alden Smith standing in that two point stance, getting ready to rush and his arms like hanging down to his knees. And like, he's just such a freaky looking person. Like you go, you're like, you just look at him. You're like, this guy is about to fuck someone up. And it's just like, obviously he's not necessarily what he was at the start of his career, but I love a comeback party. 
Uh, I love, I love, you know, his story and the fact that he's overcome a lot. All, you know, most of it brought on himself, but man, I would love to see him in a 49ers uniform, even if he was capable of, of nothing more than five to six sacks. Like it just all depends on the contract. I don't know how you feel about that crock. If that has any appeal to you, but I just do that. I, I love seeing that guy in, in the, in the 49ers uniform. Yeah. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. <laughs> he's just, I mean that like, he just, he's just, whenever I think of like someone's like outside linebacker before they even get to the name, an image of Alden Smith will pop into my head. And obviously it's a little bit different of a defense, but he would still have no problem getting after the quarterbacks. So that I, could be interesting. I just, yeah, I just think back to when, like, 49ers drafted him, and I'm like, who? I was sold on. I was like, oh, we're about to get Julio Jones. That's what I was thinking. I just thought 49ers were getting Julio Jones. and Falcons took did. him one pick ahead of the 49ers, yeah, right? Yeah, and, and then they drafted some guy named Alden Smith out of Missouri. And I was like, what? And he was on pace to be, like, the best pass rusher <laughs> ever, <laughs> you know? So um sucks that didn't work out, but it would be cool was, to see him in the 49 uniform again. Was Cap's first, because Lance mentioned this, was Cap's first game against the Bears the same game that Alden Smith had five sacks? Yes. Man, dude, that was just like, that was one of the rare times where I just like felt bad. I was like, dude, get this quarterback out of here. And I think he was even like starting to get hurt. He was just getting wrecked. It was It was rough. All right, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. We still got four speaker requests in here. Marco Martinez, you are on stage, my friend. If you are there, the floor is yours. Yo, what's up, guys? Um, so my question is, everyone's talking about backup quarterback. Obviously, if you're looking for a backup quarterback, that means you have a problem at the starting quarterback position because backup quarterback shouldn't be playing anyways. So <laughs> instead of making a pay, like a trade for Gardner Mission, why shouldn't the 49ers take a quarterback in the draft? or push the trade up and have that guy be their backup quarterback and eventually be the quarterback for the 49ers? I, I think a lot of it has to do with, like, just insurance. Um, I, I think right now you're probably they probably do have, like, a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, you know, and I think you just kind of want to set yourself up to where, hey, if need be, we can have three three quarterbacks on the roster, whether that's Garoppolo, whatever veteran that we want to sign as a backup and a rookie. And you really want to put yourself in position head into the draft to have those two guys just in case the way the ta- the the way the draft falls, what if you can't get the guy that you really want? Right? What if it the, just that opportunity doesn't present himself? What if somebody reaches and drafts a guy that like you thought he would be there in a second and somebody just drafted him way higher. So I think the finding the backup just is really more so for insurance. I do feel you on if you do have a backup, like, in a problem or whatever, and you're like, oh, I got to address this, I got to address it, then, yeah, you're, you have a lot of issues at your starting quarterback position. But obviously, I mean, we know what it is. Like, Garoppolo's having the trouble staying healthy. And um, clearly Kyle, you know, isn't, you know, enthusiastic about, about that whole thing. Uh, if, if I had to guess, again, they have certain ways that they want to do it. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they signed a veteran backup and still drafted a guy. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. You just, you know, but you can't, oh, I'm not going to draft, I'm not going to sign the veteran backup. I'm going to roll out there with Garoppolo and Rosen. And they may do that as well. I'm, I'm going to roll out with Garoppolo and Rosen. And then you got to hope and pray that whatever quarterbacks you have in mind, it just falls that way without you having to reach for a guy, if that makes sense. That, the thing with me with, and then I saw people like, 
getting kind of worked up about the whole Gardner Minshew thing. Like, I'm like, first of all, if if it comes down to it, like, if you're improving your roster, you're improving your roster. Like, if you can get Gardner Minshew, a quarterback with some cool intangibles, was decent as a starter. Sometimes he was pretty bad. Sometimes he was pretty good. But if you could get a guy like that for, like, a fifth-round pick, and then, like, in your backups, and you're rolling with Jimmy, who you're not sure is going to stay healthy. And But I do agree, though. Like, if, if you are set on replacing Jimmy Garoppolo in the near future or now, then obviously you've got to trade up for a quarterback, and you got to get your guy. But if you are if you think you're going to roll into the season with Jimmy Garoppolo and you think Gardner Minshew is a better backup than anyone else that can be available and he can be had for, like, a fifth-round pick, then to me that's, like, a no-brainer. Like, you're not committing – any serious assets toward him, but you, they need to, if they're going to roll with Garoppolo to me, they cannot just have Josh Rosen back there. They have to have somebody that they think can step in and win them a game or two or three to, to depending on what happens to Jimmy Garoppolo, because that's why I can see them going after somebody like that. Not because he's any, in any way, the answer, but because they're working their way through their options. And that's just how that one played out. You know, Oh, go ahead. No, no, you're good, man. Go. I was going to say, I almost, almost feel like they're kind of telling you how they feel about Josh Rosen, saying, hey, we got to get better at the backup position. It's like, is there not any type of faith in Rosen being able to be that guy? Because, like, he wasn't even brought up when that statement was made, at least not from, you know, how I heard it. It was almost as if, like, it's like, hey, there's Garoppolo and then nobody behind him because they didn't even right. mention Josh Rosen being, like, a valuable option. As as a backer, it wasn't even like he was like, "Hey, we got Garoppolo, you know. Hey, we're gonna give Rosen some opportunities, but we still want to bring in some competition for the backup position." Like that was not the conversation. No, and even and and then earlier on the question about um like drafting fields, if he was gonna be a, a rookie of the year or whatnot, right away you would extend you would extend Fred Warner with that money and give him money oh, up yeah. front. Everything's backloaded right now. You need to get one of your guys on a on a contract that's front loaded. Yeah, no, I mean that would be a perfect way to spend that money if you got rid of Garoppolo. That's that's where a huge chunk of it would go, as long as the team, you know, that's in their plans. Because I know that there's probably a lot of teams out there that won't pay a, a middle linebacker fifteen to twenty million, but there's a lot of middle linebackers out there that aren't Fred Warner. So, um, yeah, that's what I would do with it. All right, Marco, I appreciate you, man. Good question. Thank you, guys. All right, brother. All right, let's keep it rolling. Rainier, you're on stage, my friend. What you got? You with us, brother? You guys hear me? Three. Wait. Hello? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes, sorry we can. about that. I oh, it's all good, dude. latency around here. Anyway, oh. how are you guys doing? We're Thank good, man. Oh, good. Thank my, my speaker request. My question is, now that we're talking about quarterbacks, and this is a perfect segue to Jimmy Garoppolo, um, heading into the 21-22 season, how many games – would you give Jimmy Garoppolo if he were to underperform or miss out of miss miss time due to injury before you guys, you know, like say, oh, you know what, I'm done with this guy, cut him, trade him, I don't care anymore. Josh Rosen is our guy from here on out. How many games does Jimmy G have to miss for you guys to throw in the towel on Jimmy G completely, either due to injury or underperforming? For the next Man. coming season, I, I think it all depends on how you feel about the guy behind him. I bet, like, if he has like, I don't know stinkers, how I feel about him. <laughs> yeah. I, well, 
I mean, like, if he has stinkers like two weeks in a row, then, you know, like early on, like week one, like week one last year, he didn't play very well, right? He missed a bunch of throws. Like his numbers don't say his numbers look like he played very well, but you know he didn't. If it looks like that, and then he has, and then he follows up with another repeat performance of like just something just like that, then I think you you the grumbling start getting too loud. The 49ers clearly have been looking for at different options at quarterback, um, whether they're able to pull the trigger or not. So I think from that standpoint, the frustration will all already kind of start sinking in. Um, so I, I don't think he has a long time. It's just, well, what's a better option? Is it a better option to go with Rosen over Garoppolo? And I think most people would say no. So I, I think they would probably give him the year and just be done with him after that. Like unless it just got way out of hand, which I can't see it happen because I don't think I don't think Garoppolo sucks. I think he's just like sometimes he's really good, sometimes he's just very 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 regular, you know. But I, I don't think he sucks, so okay. I can't just see him just playing really bad for an extended period of time. Yeah, to me, like Croc said, it's all about who you got behind him. If it's just Rosen, then I'm rolling with Jimmy Garoppolo the whole year if he's playing bad. Obviously, if he's hurt, you have no choice. You have yes. to go with the, the other guy, but. If 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 it was just Josh Rosen, then I'm just rolling with Jimmy throughout the year because I don't think what I'm going to get with Rosen is any better. Now, if they drafted a rookie quarterback that everybody kind of looked at as like a starting option, either then or down the line, then I'm not give, you know I'm giving Jimmy like maybe like six games, and if he's sucking, then here comes my rookie, and let's just hope for the best. But I'm the leash as far as sucking. If I have a good option, Mac Bear is not very long, you know, like it, it just wouldn't be. But that only depends. I only have to have a good option back there. Otherwise, nice. you might as well. Okay, so if Jimmy G were to have a relatively same season as he did the uh, last year, you guys would throw in the towel the following year. Meaning, you guys are here, we're going to be looking for a quarterback, say twenty twenty two. Or you talking about like if he missed the whole year with like an injury? Like, like if he were to repeat this year's. Uh, heading into this year's, uh, heading into this season, you know, uh, to have the same numbers as he did last year. Either Are you talking about 2019? No, you're uh, talking about 2020. 2020. 20. Well, he, I mean, yeah. he didn't play very much. He was basically know, hurt he the did whole play, though. Remember, he got benched by, benched in the yeah, Miami game. But they were like, you know, he wasn't playing very well against Seattle. Like, what he's saying is, if it looks like what it looked like in the six games, he only finished three of those games, but in the six games that he played, if it looks like that consistently, which was really up and down. The Patriots game looked good. The Rams game was cool game plan and whatnot. But for the most part, it, it didn't look great. And he's saying if it looks like that, would you be done with him? My answer would be like, I think they're already done with him. They just can't figure out how to move on from him. That's the that's you, the bigger issue. Yeah, but do you think they'll just be like, you know what, we're we're cutting you right now. We're releasing you. Screw it. We'll deal with it as we go. We might trade for XYZ quarterback heading into the season. But for now, we'd rather cut you and deal with the repercussions later. I think they bench him before they, they, they cut him. Yeah, they, they I don't think they cut Yeah, I don't think they cut him. They go with their next option. I, I think they got to have like a, a good rookie quarterback or – if they were able to solidify the backup position, but I mean that's still, I mean it's a backup. Yeah, to me, like when you kept saying how he played last year, 
I never really know what to make of last year's play because he hurt his rank ankle right off the bat, and there were a ton of games where it was pretty obvious that that was affecting him. Would he have played bad if he was healthy? Maybe. We don't know. So I was like, I never really knew what to make of of last year's Jimmy Garoppolo. And then, but I mean, even in the late 2019, even in the playoffs, I mean, some of that had to do with an absolutely dominant run game. But even against the Vikings, Jimmy Garoppolo almost threw like three picks, you know, and and, and I think he did throw maybe one. Maybe maybe they never caught any of them. I don't remember. No, but, they did. Kendricks, Kendrick's picked one off. Right. And so we were already Kendrick. seeing – we were already seeing a little bit of like, eh, I don't know what this is, you know, and that kind of just carried over into 2020. He got hurt, and then I really didn't know what to think. So, yeah, I think that if that situation were to come to pass, if they have a good option as a backup, boom, you're on the bench. Let's go with – let's see what this other guy's got. If they if he's not hurt and it's just Rosen, then I think that they just ride it out, and now they have a very, very clear picture of who they're not going with in the future. So, all right, Rainier. All right, thank you so much, guys. I, I appreciate you, buddy. Oh, dude, that was my bad. I pressed that too quickly. I didn't uh, mean to cut him asshole. off. I know, dude. That was horrible. And I'm going to go ahead and end the room and sign off because I just feel like a horrible person. I'm just kidding. Malik, <laughs> Malik, you've been patiently waiting. It is now your time on stage. What's going on, man? Hey, what's happening, gents? How you guys doing? I'm great, man. Uh, good, uh, yeah. So... I, I think I'm in the minority. I, I, I'm a fan of Jimmy. I want to keep him. I think he should get another year. Um, I, I just think that there is – he can improve on some stuff, but hopefully he can stay healthy. And with an effective offensive line like they've re-signed, I think he's got a chance. Bosa's coming off of ACL. Ford broke his back and had a backyotomy. Who knows what happened to him. <laughs> got to get a backyotomy. Yeah, exactly. Ebukam just got signed. I think that's a good pick. Personally, I want to go edge at 12. I like Ojolari, the kid from Georgia. He's young. He can grow and get some grown man strength. He's speed off the edge. I think he's a good um, addition for what we don't have. We have solid defensive tackles and rotational pieces inside. We don't have any speed off the edge if it's not Bosa and you can't count on four. I think Ebukam is good. But who knows if he's the long-term solution? So I want to go. I want to go speed edge rusher at twelve. My question to you guys is: If we do that, there's going to be a DB at forty-three. I like the kid Newsom from Northwestern. I think Crocker likes him too. And oh, yeah, I think he I've heard about this kid Stokes as well from Georgia. What? Who would be the better fit at forty-three, and which one would be there at forty-three? Ooh, um, well, I love Newsom. Like, I think he's the second best corner in his class. I really think, like, if you just go off of film alone, like, he's, like, like he has the best. Uh, I don't want his film is kind of the best. Like, like with what <laughs> he's able to do, like, playing, able to play press at a very high level, a, able to play off coverage at a really high level. His feet's terrific, change of direction, everything's really good. Uh, he has size. Like when I'm watching him, he moved and everything, and looks small on on video. So I'm thinking, like in, in my head, I'm saying, "Oh, this looks like Jair, Jair Alexander." Like that's what I'm watching. And then he measures in at the. Oh, somebody's alarm going off. Then he measures in. <laughs> wow. And then he measures in at the right now, bro. <laughs> right at the pro day, and 
he's six foot, 192 pounds, and, and ran in the four threes. I'm like, wow. Like, you know, like, that's that's some, you know, big-time stuff. So his film, like, I was really impressed. And I'm like, oh, this, I think this might be, like, the second best, you know, my CB2 in his class. And then he goes to the com, um, pro day and measures very well, tests very well. I'm like, damn. Like, I really like this dude. Now, if he, he could slide to the second round, I think he's had some injury issues as well. So that's one thing that could hold him back. But if he's there in the second round, I'm taking him. That's for sure. I like this yeah. film more than, like, Stokes and, you know, those guys. Like, Stokes, I mean, he was cool, but I, I, I like Newsom's film much more. I like it. Malik, you got anything else, brother? Nah, that was it, man. Thank you, fellas. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. All right, gents. Speaker request and Nathaniel Flynn, our last speaking request. You're on stage. You with us? Nathaniel, you out there, man? Man, we got to end on Nathaniel's silence. That's depressing. RIP to Nathaniel, though. But, hey, one thing I was thinking, because I was reading the chat, and, and Lance was like, no more d Lyman," And I completely understand that. Trust me, I, I forget it. But I've always felt like good edge rushers were almost like the exception to the no more D-line rule because, you know, it was Eric's arm said, it was DeForest Buckner. Shout out to my man. And then, you know, Solomon Thomas, um, you know, it was they had drafted a ton of defensive linemen. And the first time they got a genuine edge rusher, was in the first round was Nick Bosa. And they're usually kind of just lumped into the same defensive line, like, group. So anytime anybody says edge rusher, I don't really perk up with the whole, like, no more D-line things, even though because I do agree with that at this point. But I've just always felt like they were kind of the exception because, like, you can never – can you ever have, like, get after the quarterback too well? You know, like, now if you're going to sign a guy like Ebukam – and then still draft an edge rusher first, you know, that edge rusher better be really good. But at the same time, I've always been a little more partial towards genuine pass rushers than just straight up defensive line. So, you know, I, I get, I get where Malik's coming from when he says he would still want edge rushers, but I also get where Lance is coming from when he says no more D line, but I get it. So hey, before we, before we roll out, Crocker, you've kind of already said that maybe you have said enough. I don't know. But do you feel like you need to get a little bit more J.C. Horn off your chest? No, um, you know, just terrific prospect. I, I love how he tested. I thought he would test well. I was told he would test well. Um, I love just his mental makeup. And it, that part reminds me of Sherman where he just has these things you can't teach. And unlike Sherman, I guess I, I could say, he's a lot more, like, physically gifted from an athletic, you know, skills and speed and ability standpoint. So um, really like him. Cornerback's a, a position of need for sure for the 49ers. And now this is the only thing. Like, scheme fit matters. And I don't know what the 49ers scheme is going to be. So I don't even know if he fit what the 49ers do. That that could throw things off, <laughs> my whole plan. But um, – and I was talking – excuse me, I was talking about Newsom. I think Newsom is the most scheme versatile corner in this class. But just one in general, I would just have to figure it out. Kind of like what the Rams have done with Jalen Ramsey. Like, I don't think this is like the ideal, that was the ideal defense for Jalen Ramsey. But it was like, look, you're a hell of a football player and we're just going to figure it out. And they would play him in man. They would play Ramsey in man and play zone all around him, you know. Like, 
you just have to figure it that's out. What I I was gonna, that's what I was just going to ask you. Actually, is like if you if you if you just draft a guy because he's just too talented to pass up, and he just has too many things. Can you just kind of mold your scheme in subtle ways to fit that player because you yes. just know he's he's too talented to pass up? Yes, you can, but you you can't you can't depend on how you see the film. You can't force him into what you do. Right. It it it, it has to it has to fit. I think the Lions last year they tried to force Akuda into what they do, and that's why his play was so up and down. Akuda is talented. There's a lot of people that's ripping him and saying he's just going to be bad. Like, no, he's talented. I think they just forced him into – I thought they should have flip-flopped the coins. I thought Henderson should have went to a Lions scheme, and I thought Akuda should have went to what Jacksonville did. Now, the Lions fired their coaches. Jacksonville fired their coaches. So we'll see if the new coaches coming in implement more of a play style that suits their, their, their you know, young defensive backs. You know, we'll see. But – uh yeah, the scheme fit definitely matters. And from that standpoint, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea what D'Amico Ryan's plan is for the 49ers. Yeah, right. right, right. I mean, oh, real just... quick, though. I did see Chris Sims. Chris Sims didn't even have him in, like, his top five or six. He had Marco Wilson in his top six corners. Did not have J.C. Horn. So when we get off of here, I'm going to play Madden. I'm actually going to listen to that podcast. <laughs> I'm all for uh, – I'm all for – you know, hearing other people's opinions, and I don't want to rip Chris Chris Sims or anything like that. Like that, that's his opinion, and I do feel like he watches film. And I bet when I listen, like he's gonna have reasons why he feels the way he does. My thing just is like, I don't agree, <laughs> but I'm gonna <laughs> listen. I'm gonna listen. But that's, to have to Marco me, that's Wilson, a big thing. that's a big thing. Yeah, I, I was said. just talking to somebody, and I talked about Marco Wilson in his film, and like. It it was not good. Like I was I was under the assumption I would not draft Marco Wilson, and I told his dad as much. Like I, I told his dad, like I didn't really care for what I saw from in the games I watched, and like off of those, I felt like it would be best if he went back to school. That's what I told his dad. He came out, and we'll see. But to see that that uh, that Sims had him in his top six, but did not have Horn. I was like, whoa, that's that's different. But again, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna listen. Hey, but a lot of people thought how high you had Justin Jefferson at one point was different. Yeah, I you know I had Justin and and Sims too. So you know we talk about like this and his order looking really weird. He had Justin Jefferson at wide receiver too, and people made a big deal about that, and he was right about that. So I mean, you know, there, you, I don't think there's any right or wrong way to kind of go about it. People just have their preferences and what they prefer. Um, you know, I see somebody in this, in the chat saying horn over Sertain. And like, my thing is, yes, Sertain, I think he's terrific press cornerback, but I think he kind of lacks everywhere else. Like from like, a, you know, a press bill, his anticipation isn't great. He's not really twitchy or sudden. So he doesn't react very well when he's not anticipating. So, you know, like, those are things that I pay attention to. I think he's very scheme-dependent as well. I think he'll play well. He's going to be a good pro. We're talking about somebody who I think is a top two or three corner in this class. But, you know, as far as if I had to pick between the two, I would go J.C. Horn. So, you know. And uh, Mike commented on it, and I said, and you know, I was kind of rudely interrupting you trying to say it, but what you said was, is like, I'm not, not agree with you, but I'm going to listen. And that's what everybody should always do when it comes to somebody else who you know 
is coming from a good place with their opinions. Like if you know someone watches players and watches films and, you know, even if it comes to 49ers players and how they feel about them, if you know somebody's coming at this from a, a place of they're genuine and they have a reason they feel that way, then you should always be listen, listen, willing to listen to someone else's opinion. And I think that that's one of the problems on football Twitter and 49ers Twitter is people get way, way, way too entrenched in their own opinions and everybody else is just straight up wrong, which that's different than not agreeing with them. You know, if they they could just have a different way of thinking on it or looking at it than you. But, you know, if that person's coming at it from a good place, like they do their, their research and that's why they're saying what they're saying, then you should always listen, you know, because you don't want to be – you can be passionate about something. You can have conviction about it, but you don't want that to lead to stubbornness. And I just thought Croc, in a great way, really summed that up by saying, like, look, I might not agree with you, but I'm still going to listen to you, and I think that's what everybody should do. When you know someone's coming at it from, like, a good place and they, yeah. uh, they've they done their they've done their own research, you know, as long as you know they're not coming at it from ignorance. So, you know, anyways – we're at we're again we are at the hour and thirty minute mark. That shit just flies by. Like it's so crazy. Me and Croc were texting. I was like, dude, I'm having fun with this locker room shit. And Croc's like, yeah, the quickest hour and a half like ever. And and it really is, dude. It just goes by so quick. But we had a ton of speaker requests today. I appreciate you guys being so being so patient with those and just kind of letting it play out. Because um, we still, since this is our podcast, we still want to get through our our topics, but as always, I appreciate you guys just being here, chalking back and forth, being a part of the chat and, and being willing to speak up and, you know, while we record this pod, I appreciate you guys. Croc, you got any closing thoughts, my friend? Nah, man, uh, justice for JC Horn. I didn't think he needed it, but it looks like he does. <laughs> always, always the ambassador, man. Justice for somebody. You need to be a defense lawyer, man. But anyways, Y'all already know what it is. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the pod. Thank you for being in the locker room. But for another episode, we'll see you Sunday at 7 p.m. That's Croc. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. And we're signing out. Air that hoe out. Peace.